0: Welcome to Primal Screen, a show and podcast all about screen culture, from movies on the big screen to whatever you're streaming. We are broadcasting tonight from the Triple R studios on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation. This is and always will be Aboriginal land. I'm your host, Flick Ford, and tonight I've got a bumper episode lined up. There are so many festivals and screenings happening here in Melbourne. We are indeed the capital of cinema. It is, of course, Melbourne Queer Film Festival for the next week. I highly encourage you to check out the wonderful program. Um, the uh, Just head to mqff.com.au. And there's lots of other smaller festivals and screenings happening which we're going to dig into on tonight's show. So later tonight I will be joined by Chris Luscrie from Unknown Pleasures to talk about an exciting spotlight on the work of Filipino-Australian filmmaker Matthew Victor Pastor happening at Thornbury Picture House tomorrow and also next Tuesday. We also here in Melbourne have the inaugural Melbourne edition of the Smartphone Flick Fest happening from November eighteen. 18th to the 20th and to tell us about the festival I'm joined by the festival founder and director Angela Blake. Welcome to Primal Screen Angela.
1: It is a pleasure to be here thank you.
0: And I'm also joined by one of the filmmakers being featured in the festival uh, the award-winning broadcaster, journalist, executive producer, and author with over thirty years' experience—oh,
2: too many years! Yeah,
0: <laughs> Tracy Hutchinson. Hey, Tracy. Hello, Flick. How lovely <laughs> to be back at the Heartland on this side of the mic. <laughs> yeah, nice. I was gonna—I was gonna welcome you to the Triple R Studios, but this is your old stomping ground. Always happy to be welcomed to the Triple R Studios, <laughs> Flick. And um,
2: hey, Angela, great to be chatting with you about. This um, this amazing festival, really, smartphone film F- festival coming to Melbourne, and and never too late for a first for me, uh, first time <laughs> filmmaker on a smartphone, and a screening finalist in Melbourne with our film "Healing Country." So pretty exciting.
0: Oh, absolutely, Angela. I feel as though um, many people will be checking that they've got their radio tuned correctly and being like, "Smartphone Film Festival." Um, how did this how did this first come about? I know that the films has been made on smartphones before. But um, tell us a bit about the history of the film festival because this is first time in Melbourne but it has been running for what is it, eight years in, in Sydney? Yeah,
1: we've been going for eight years and we're partnering uh, in Melbourne with MENA. So MENA, MENA is a Melbourne-based film festival called the Mobile Innovation Network Australasia. Uh, originally they were based in uh, or, um in New Zealand, uh, and that's run by Max Schlesser. So he actually has been going, this is their 11th year. Oh, wow. uh, and that is, yeah. So they're one of the very first, I think we were like number three or four smartphone film festivals in the world. Uh, they were number two. So, uh, and it just so happens that we are two of the oldest and biggest smartphone film festivals in the world. Now there's actually a lot, it's a really big movement. But I actually started my festival 10 years ago. It took two years to launch. Um, and at that time, there was only two others and there was very few filmmakers doing it. Uh, and um, I, I mean, I got the idea because I had been living in LA for a couple of years and I came back home and I was in a theatre festival called the Short and Sweet Theatre Festival and I was directing a play. I work uh, in the arts as well as a director and an actor writer. And I was directing a play and I auditioned an actress called Alison Crew who turned out to be my co-founder of my festival and uh, we kept winning um, with this amazing play by another Melbourne playwright Adele Shelley and we kept winning and we got all the way through to the finals and the big gala finals it was a couple of months and we just were like this is really fabulous in that it can give everyone who wants to be on stage the chance to be on stage whether they're professionals between gigs a writer who needs to see an audience reaction to their Mm -hmm. work or possibly also um you know first time theater person ever and so we thought there's nothing like this for film and I had been in LA and I said you know people are just starting to do stuff on phones in LA and so we decided to combine those two things and and launch SF3 and of course we didn't know what was going to happen with technology I mean we had an inkling um otherwise we wouldn't have done it but we didn't know how big um technology was going to work in our favor really
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you say that there's been this trend towards smartphone film festivals popping up all around the world. What do you think is driving that? I mean, the fact that we probably all have a smartphone on us right now.
1: That's right. There's literally now there's no barriers to making a film. And so I, you know, I have a variety of films I shoot on. I work as a filmmaker and the newer films are shooting in 4k. Um, But to show on a cinema screen, you only need to be shooting in like 1080. You don't need to be too big, I, I won't get too technical on you but <laughs> no, the technical, you, can, you can lean into it for sure. <laughs> the technical aspects you know, even some of the older phones, they blow up beautifully onto mm. a big screen and I think people didn't realise when we launched, you know, one of our big judges said to us, yes, yes, I'll judge your festival, but you do know all the films will look shit. And we said, oh, well, I, I said to Ali, I was like, is this the right judge for our festival? She's like, no, 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 Let, let's get him. And then after the gala the first year, he was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And we we're like, yeah, we told you. So I thought if we can win him over, we can win everyone over, you know. And yeah. and so um, yeah, it just I think people kind of really realised What they have in their pocket is this amazing capability to tell their stories and the entry barrier to filmmaking is so big and it's financially so big. Do you know, I, I, Kreev Stenders, you know, the filmmaker who did Red Dog just taught a masterclass for us yesterday and he was talking about how he had to make a feature film on $175,000, which was a crazy small budget because that's Mm -hmm. a budget for a short film. And the whole audience gasped because $175,000 as a budget for a short film is... You know, that's in nobody's league, you know, except, you know, the very maybe Nicole Kidman if she wanted a film or something, you know, but none of us can have that money. So people are really being like, Well, I have this amazing idea and I can shoot it on my phone and it's gonna get traction. And of course now Netflix is accepting smartphone films. They play in big festivals around the world. So, you know, people are really understanding how great it is.
0: Absolutely. And I think when you do have well known filmmakers like Steven Soderbergh we're doing Films on his his iPhone Only on phones, right? (laughs) Yeah, he's a he's definitely a convert. And I think that what you've brought up is actually something Tracy and I were chatting about off air is this question of access. And I remember yeah. being in film school and of course when you're under, you know, under a school or a university, you're provided with equipment. As soon as you're out in the film industry, being able to finance your own film can be a huge barrier. And there's gonna be sections of our community who it just isn't completely inaccessible to. Even big
1: people, it's, you know, inaccessible between their projects, Uh, but let alone the rest of us, you know, and and I think what we hope to do is to, to show people that the really now the only barrier to not making professional films is themselves Uh, and because all you really do need is, you know, a phone and a great idea, you need a, a great idea and you need to work on that great idea. And shoot it on your phone and that's all you really need.
0: Well, a big um, discussion point that comes up with whenever we're talking about film and also film festivals and who gets uh, a platform is Mm. to do with access. But also when you change who is behind the camera, you also change the stories that are being told. And I can't help but feel that the lineup for a smartphone film festival will be very different from a traditional film festival, where you have mm-hmm. a certain demographic that are able to have access to this funding yeah, to these programs. So, what can what can um, audiences expect from the festival? Can you give us a yeah, little? Taster? I love that
1: question. Flick. You know, I've never <laughs> been asked that in all really? my years. Oh. it's such a great question. Wow. Um, well, we very much at SF three. We're run by two women, and we are very. We partner with lots of organisations because we understand we understand everything that's happening, especially in the film industry. It is traditionally a very male dominated world, and um, and also, as you said, you know, there's a certain demographic that has traditionally made films and been able to. So. You know, we very much have, we have a First Nations award. We have female creative awards. We have first-time filmmaker awards so that, you know, first-time filmmakers can compete with um, professional filmmakers. We we kind of make sure that we have awards for everybody. And so we also therefore screen all those types of films to make sure that those mm. stories are on screen for our audiences as well as, um, as the filmmakers getting a chance. And to know that, I think for us it's to know that, they have a place to show their film. Um, and we very much modeled ourselves off many film festivals. We loved the good and the bad of those festivals. And a lot of them started grassroots and became very inaccessible to people. And we never want to lose that. Mm. And so therefore we very much make sure to screen. Last year, one of our winners that we screened was an Oscar winner from England. Wow. And he'd already won an Oscar for Best Short Film. And we screened him against first-time filmmakers that had never made anything. And mm. that's what we very are, very much are passionate about at SF3 and at Mina, who we're partnering with, and they have a whole new Voices category And so audiences will expect, you know, with those first-time filmmakers comes so much originality and we have Mm. young filmmakers and I love watching my kid filmmakers because at my screening last weekend in Sydney I'm watching five and six-year-old filmmakers and that is so amazing because they have never been to film school and they don't know all the rules and they're putting their camera in places that most of us would never put our camera. Yeah. And as a filmmaker, you can get so stuck in the rules and the 180-degree yes. rule and, you know, all, oh, you got to do this and I need to do a mid-shot and a two-shot and then I should do an over-the-shoulder. Oh, my gosh, kids don't care. And they're moving these cameras in amazing ways and first-time filmmakers and that to me really is about breaking down those barriers and telling stories in new ways um sorry I'm so excited no, you, never, don't, but...
0: no you don't no, you do ever <laughs> apologize about being passionate about this because I think what we see when we changing the means by which we're making film so on a smartphone it's so different to having a camera having a crew around you I also think you must see different approaches like you said to formal technique and the way in which Action stories are being captured and also told. Um, yes. So, I'm curious to see what has stood out for you. You mentioned some of the kid filmmakers, but have you yeah. seen anything else that stood out to you on a formal level?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. People are, you know, we teach a lot, we have a huge education program, and one big switch that I've taken in the last 12 months, I'd say, and I think it's because so many people are now shooting on phones than ever before so uh, you know a lot of the the first many I'd say the first seven years I've been having to convince people this is really great your film's going to look really great you can do great things now people know and they you know there's much more smartphone content out there for Mm. them to see and they're like okay and of course the new phones the 13s and the 14s and the you know Samsung 21s and the um, Huawei and the Xiaomi they're all coming out they're really beautiful with what they're capturing and people are seeing that every day Um, and so now we're starting to see people putting their, because it's such a small camera, obviously they can put it in places. Traditional cameras can't go. So you're seeing some really interesting shots, um, because the camera can fit in very different places and that's what i'm pushing when i teach to be like all right let's you know for so many years smartphone filmmakers wanted to make a film that looks cinematic that Mm. didn't look like it was shot on a phone now we're kind of like hey let's make it look like it's shot on a phone um and wow people from that aspect because Mm. you don't have to prove the technical elements anymore because they're there and of course cinematic mode is changing The focus, which was kind of the biggest difference, was when you shoot with a smartphone, everything is in focus. Yes. Um, But now that's changing, you know, Mm -hmm. and the lenses are doing more of that soft background and the rack focusing. and, And so, yeah, it's really about starting to showcase what a smartphone does now instead of hiding yeah. the fact it's shot on a phone. I think that's probably the biggest difference. And also it's just original stories. People are, Documentaries, um, you know, Tracy's made a beautiful documentary yes. that she'll talk about in a minute. But I think for me it's the documentaries in smartphone filmmaking mm. because I hear a lot from documentary filmmakers that when they go in, you know, people are so used to seeing smartphones up on a screen, uh, in front of them, so that they're not worried when they yeah. see that smartphone mm. in front of them, and they're not clamming up, which they do, you know, on other cameras, so that's yes. probably a really big difference.
0: Yeah, and I'd actually, I think it's this is perfect timing actually to hear about your your film, Tracy, because I was thinking about that that level of intimacy that a smartphone can. Uh, create with a subject now. Healing Country is your film that is going to be screening this Sunday, uh, Saturday. Sorry, Saturday night, sorry. Yeah, Saturday the five night o'clock sessions yeah. at Acme mm. as part of this festival. Um, tell us about Healing Country.
2: Uh, thanks, and thanks for having me, Flick, and, and great to hear Angela talking about um, just the, I think how liberating uh, working with a smartphone really is for, oh. for filmmakers and, and storytellers and. Um, I wanted to make a film, um, so I I worked with a a very good friend of mine uh, who is a First Nations cultural practitioner and healer working on the Mornington Peninsula on um, Bunurong Boonwurrung land. And he's a Gunachamara, Kirei, Wurrung, Bunjulung man working with permission of, of elders on the peninsula and a beautiful friend called Lionel Louch. And I had met Lionel when I invited him to come to my home to do a smoking, a clearing ceremony at the house. He he does a range of different sort of healing practices and he came and did a smoking at the house and was, was walking through the house, you know, calling in the spirit creatures, uh, Bunjil and Wa, um, who are the two spirit creatures of of um, the Kulin Nation, Bunjil, the eagle and, and Wa, the, the crow. Mm-hmm. And he, he called in their power to um, to push out the negative energy and, and you know, have a, a sort of a fresh cleaning in the house, a fresh cleansing in the house. And I thought, wow, you know, I, I think, as a, I mean, I'm very mindful as a, you know, a, a white woman making a film about First Nations man, and and um, telling that story, and I've, I really hope, and I think we have, you know, told that with great. Authenticity and integrity, because uh, I, I was able to work in a very non-intrusive way yeah. with a smartphone, because it's it's quite intimate. It's it's obviously culturally sent, you know, thousands of years old. The the, the practices that that, uh, that Lionel is is working in. So, but I think. Um, why fellows are really hungry to know what is actually going on when uh, there might be a first nations ceremonial um, smoking ceremony for example you know why are you you using that particular wood and leaves and what's happening at that point you know why those that combination of those things you know why are you calling in the spirit creatures what are they what are they channeling what, what can we learn from from this experience and so um, I really sort of wanted to make something that was, you know, in one part educational, uh, in one part, you know, honouring that deep um, cultural connection to country um, and, and those cultural practices uh, around healing and, and listening to country uh, and, and, um, and, and seeing, not just looking, which is one of the things that Lionel talks about. But in many ways too, I wanted to make a love letter to country. You know, it's mm. it's where I grew up, um, and I have a a very profound connection to the Mornington Peninsula, where I was born and raised, and still live. Um, and I I've always been really interested in. Um, that synergy between you know at what point do those things meet I guess as well you know that that sort of letting the country speak letting the country heal um, what it is that we're doing when we're we're communing with nature and um, we can we can all understand what that is mm-hmm. but I really wanted to um, share uh, that story that the way Lionel would would do that you know through that healing and he he works with uh, Yudaki as well. So he does um, beautiful meditations with Yudaki in spectacular locations. So it's kind of you know it's one part educational, it's one part you know cultural um, cultural practice sharing. You know it's one part kind of tourism Victoria, you know. I mean it it does look incredible and it's a film that I shot on my iPhone 13 Pro. I had literally just bought the phone (laughs) and I thought, you know what, I just want to, you know, I really want to work out how to do this. So I said to Lionel, you know, I've sort of woken up with this idea in my head for a film. Um, have you got any time over, you know, this period of time? We shot in January. And, yeah. um, January
0: this year. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, and he said, oh, I'm really busy. You know, I've got this time and that time. So we literally had, you know, I had three windows of opportunity to shoot with him. And I said, well, that's okay. It's only an eight-minute film. <laughs> um, and initially, initially we'd made the film for the Peninsula Film Festival which is an annual film festival that our friend Steve Bastoni runs. Uh, Steve's a local and he's introduced this film festival and everyone loves it. And, you know, we go every year and I guess one of the things that I'd always notice about that festival is that there's uh, very little First Nations storytelling mm. um, and and not not as much local storytelling as as i as a local person would would necessarily like to see in a in a local film festival so you know it's very much about wanting to see our place our mm. country beautiful barong Bunarong land uh, up on the big screen celebrated through First Nations cultural practice and Mm. and really sort of um, share, you know, that incredible – those incredible stories and that incredible connection to country. And so I literally turned this thing around in about two weeks. (laughs) I shot it – uh, and, of course, the iPhone 13 Pro, already out of date because it's an iPhone 14, <laughs> but I thought I was, you know, pretty flat at that point because I'd had an iPhone 4 or something before that and bought myself a little wireless Rode mic kit so I could, you know, shoot with some distance and create a couple of sequences that allowed, allowed the land to talk. Mm. You know, I think that was the thing that I really wanted – uh, to create with the film was that I really wanted to get that sense of healing country. Mm. So it's both it's healing country, yes, the land can heal, um, but it's its its sort of also about how we heal country, mm. you know, how we think about how we're walking, you know, to walk a little more gently on the land. So it was sort of both of those things. And um, I shot in uh, 4K on my phone <laughs> uh, and, you know, I had a couple of little glitches here and there but oh, – uh, part of the
0: process, you shall know, we? <laughs> and then there was a
2: beautiful song that I had in my head. That I there's a lovely, incredible local songwriter, Marty Williams, and I thought, I reckon Marty's got a song. I know you'll have a song. The song I'm hearing in my head, that you know, so it was literally that mo- that thing yeah. that I woke up and this film literally just sort of you know, I could see it. I knew, I knew exactly how I wanted to shoot it. And being able to shoot on the phone was allowed that intimacy and that nimble ability Mm. to move really fast and not be intrusive in the work that Lionel was doing Mm. and actually just let it unfold. And so it's, it's kind of part set pieces, a couple of sort of set pieces that where he's explaining things like what's going on with the smoking ceremony, but then there's a, a number of sort of quite verite sequences that I'm literally just going, oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'll run ahead here because I know, you know, I sort of did a couple of reccees with him and I thought, okay, I know, you know. So, I mean, I've, I've got a background in making a lot of television. Of course, yeah. But I've always worked with, um, with a camera operator, um, often with a sound person as well in the good old days at the ABC uh, <laughs> or Channel 9. I did a bit of work there too and always with a craft editor. Yeah. I cut this in iMovie yeah and you know <laughs> literally and, and because it's it is about you know sometimes if the story is strong you, you yeah. don't it's it's what angela was angela was just saying you know especially a film that's only 8 minutes long um but you know if the story's strong and you've got a sense of how you want to tell that story mm. in, cinematically you don't need a whole lot to be going on.
0: And it's interesting you say that because I think a lot of people, sometimes there's a, it is hard sometimes uh, broadcasting short films, people, you know, that, I know festivals sometimes struggle with that. Often with, you know, think about Melbourne Cinematheque, we always put a short film at the start of the other film So we work it in and festival programmers do that all the time there is, it's such a different beast, the short film. Mm. And I love that you both touch upon storytelling. And and Tracy, you mentioned the nimbleness of Mm. your response and how having access to something in your pocket Mm. just allows for you to capture that story as it occurs to you. Because I think what happens with long film projects where you're working with lots of people, there's the group negotiations, Mm. but there's also, it can be dragged out and you lose sight of that story at the yeah, core, I think so. Um, yeah, well, yeah, and I love the, the the comment you made before about the intrusiveness, potential mm. intrusiveness of having the entire camera crew with oh, you. Oh, it is, it and is. That would have taken away from Lionel's yeah. story. And and I've seen that. I've mm. you know
2: working you know for years as a reporter or, or a producer director in, in television. You know, the minute a camera turns up. People change. Yeah. You get a different response when, when there's a camera. You know, that's why I love radio. Yeah. You know, because there's an intimacy about yeah. radio. You know, you, you you we're just sitting here having a yarn. You know, the fact that there's sort of half of Melbourne <laughs> listening because everyone's <laughs> Let's listening not to think Triple <laughs> Res But there's an intimacy about yes. radio and, and, and it's it's why I love the smartphone. Mm. And so, you know, the opportunity to um, submit this film into the smartphone film festival really prestigious sydney one yeah. and we didn't get the, the 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 kind of the Guernsey in the in the sydney <laughs> one but i'm so proud to I mean, to to be yeah. able to you know be in the in, in the inaugural iteration of the melbourne screening in nam at, at at acme a beautiful sort of way for for Lionel to sort of Mm. have his work celebrated but yes you know it 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 is it is quite an intimate portrait of him because everyone is used to their phone Mm. everyone is is sort of taking photos and uploading them to their social media you know we're all doing that we're all really comfortable with that so the idea that I might have been there you know with my with my smartphone sort of running and shooting a couple of sequences or doing a couple of set pieces with him on a very very lean little tripod Mm. like I've got a very, very – my kit is really small, you know, it's literally the size of a handbag and a a tiny little tripod. I've got a little Rode wireless mic kit that I love, you know, and the little transmitters are the size of an old iPod, you know. Mm. I mean, they're tiny. So – and you're getting broadcast sound, like Mm -hmm. high-quality, beautiful sound. And, you know, we know as audio people if your sound is good, if you're delivering something with great sound – It can be a little more, you know, your visual structure can be a little more forgiving in some way. And you can play
0: around with visuals. And I love that. Angela, you said that before about how with that first judge there was um, some doubts around this idea of whether it would be a beautiful image. But the reality is cinema isn't always beautiful. And those textures that a smartphone would allow for are all part of cinema. Mm. So, And and I'm really interested with, um, Tracy, you were saying before about how You know, the fact that you got, you know, you shot this in January, you've been editing it um, and you've been able to release it at festivals. I mean, in such a short period of time. And I thought a lot about the way in which sometimes we have a sense, particularly with Indigenous identity and Indigenous stories, this idea of there being one story Mm. that has that platform. Um, Obviously, NITV does an amazing job of spotlighting these different stories. Uh, SBS is a great provider of that as well. But often there is just not enough opportunity, so we do have a singularity to it. Whereas, mm-hmm. if you've got a whole bunch, and you weren't even a filmmaker before, <laughs>
1: before no, you took made, up the phone, yeah, I you mean, made, I, you know, I made other things,
0: but but but, yeah. with, but
2: with the more cumbersome model, you yeah, know, that, that yeah. required the, the, and you, well, you
0: know, know the smartphone filmmaker is more so. Sorry, what, yeah, what I was that's right. Here.
2: But I'd also experienced that frustration as yeah. as someone um, who, and I'm not necessarily wanting to make it a gender discussion but in the past I had only ever worked almost exclusively with male camera operators and I've always had a really clear um, vision for you know if I'm shooting whether I was shooting something at 7:30 report or whatever it was I might have been doing I always had a really clear idea of how I wanted it to look mm. and I lost count of how many times on you know when I'd be trying to shoot something where I'd really want a shot in a particular way and I'd get get back to the office and go you didn't actually get the shot I wanted yeah. and I used to really <laughs> really frustrate me it's like no that was the opening shot, and you yeah. didn't get the you know so this one was like I know exactly how I want this film yes. to start <laughs> I knew how I wanted it to end um and you know, yes, we've been really fortunate. You know, we, um, we, we've we had a couple of screenings, you know, but this is the first one in Melbourne. So yeah. we we screened on the Peninsula in in, in March and, and we picked up third prize, which was extraordinary, up against <laughs> like quite big production short films. Um, and I was completely blown away by that. We had the great honour that same weekend. It was the Port Ferry Folk Festival and Lionel Louch, who's our cultural lead in Healing Country, he, he, He is the the blood nephew of the late Uncle Archie Roach and so that uh, festival, that Port Ferry Folk Festival, Uncle had a stage at Port Ferry. And so um, we premiered it at, at, at Peninsula. We went down to Port Ferry and and it screened on the Uncle Archie stage down there, which was a huge honour. Lionel was doing some of his Yudaki um, meditations and healings down there, and Uncle was a healer through music. You know we know how powerful mm-hmm. Uncle Archie's work has been as a healer through music, and Lionel certainly carries that healing gene. Um, and then we also got official selection in the Toronto Short Film Festival, which completely blew my mind uh, and and then this one is just such a beautiful way, Angela thank you for having us in your festival but of it's course. such a beautiful way to end the year and also now with the passing of Uncle um, this iteration of the film does have a final frame tribute from Lionel to Uncle um, because they were very, very close and um, so it's been a, a beautiful way for, for Lionel to, to sort of honour um, the great sort of patriarch in his family, who's passed, and and from a very personal, you know, they've had a very public grief with someone who's been very public. But it was, you know, so it was a beautiful opportunity for us to uh, screen the film one more time. Um, but but yes, the first time in Melbourne. So I'm, you know, at me, I'm like, oh my god,
0: <laughs> be sitting there pinching myself, going, yeah. oh my god,
2: that's our film.
0: <laughs> no, it's <laughs> extraordinary. Um, for listeners who are listening to you. Talk- Talk about your experience of filmmaking. How did? What would you? Do you have any recommendations on getting started with smartphone filmmaking?
2: Oh well, I think as Angela's explained, you know, the motivation for for creating smartphone flickfest in the first place was, you know, this is the technology that everyone is using, and yeah. it, it it will continue to evolve and and throw up new ways of doing things. But I think for me, uh, I think it was the creative control. Mm-hmm. It was not having to navigate my way around the ego of a camera person. <laughs> that actually is very appealing um, to
0: me. <laughs> yeah, it's
2: like I just shoot yeah. it this way, you know. And yes. then, so it's only one person. You're, only having, yeah. you're, only, you're in your own feedback loop. Yeah. Right, so you literally just, and the way I shot this, you know, there was it, there is a particular sequence where Lionel um, takes people on. He does these beautiful sunset meditations and and walks and and picks off some you know beautiful bush food and we sort of you eat and walk and gasp at the view and all sorts of things along the way and then it sort of culminates in a beautiful meditation. It's St. Andrews Beach, back beach on the peninsula, which is a pretty spectacular place. So I've got all all sorts of things like I've got light chain. I've got a group of people, I've got him stopping at a place where he said he wasn't going to stop and he was going to move a bit further. But, again, it, it was the nimbleness of yes. having the phone and he was mic'd up and uh, and I, I literally just knew that once I'd sort of got a couple of sequences I knew I had the particular thing and then we just got this, you know, Bunjil and Wah were absolutely with us because we got the most incredible um, picture-perfect postcard peninsula shots yeah. and it, it really is you know it, it does look incredible like it yeah. looks like you know you've had sort of some kind of oscar winner cinematographer sort of <laughs> directing it and it's like no it's just
0: me and my smartphone <laughs> well i feel like we've there's lots of different threads we've covered and i feel as though um really audiences just need to get along to the festival
1: and, have and, um, and as have as well. Yeah. We- we are running two days of workshops. That's so right, So I, I know yes. you said when people are, how do they get started? Yeah. I, I would say on the Friday we have a adults workshop. It's uh, From Rookie to Pro, I think is the title. And that's going to be Max and myself um, running those workshops with a few kind of um, talented filmmakers we're bringing in. Um, with us who have been working in the smartphone Trace is very talented uh, but and <laughs> um, ones that have been working in the smartphone world for you know quite a long time yeah. um, who are coming in to kind of really talk about smartphone filmmaking but led by Max and I um, because as well as running our festivals we are filmmakers and um, mostly smartphone filmmakers now um, I shoot nearly solely on smartphones um and then on the Sunday so that's four to six at Swinburne University and then on the Sunday from 10 to 12 we have a kids filmmaking workshop uh, because one of the things we do specialize in at SF3 as I was mentioning is kids and young um education for kids tweens and teens so that workshop's from 10 to 12 on Sunday also at Swinburne so if anyone's curious come on down and we will you know, a smartphone is just a camera. It's and now they're so great that it's a camera choice for uh people working in the industry. And, you know, Tracy, everything she's saying about the one person film crew is, you know, that's what smartphone filmmaking is. And then I also shot a film which had a ten thousand dollar budget and a crew of 40. And uh, wow. we were shooting on a smartphone. So, you know, it was just my camera choice was the iPhone 14 Pro Max. I was lucky to get one of those and shoot on and and so, you know, anything from you know that one person making a film up to professional film yeah. crews are shooting on phones, and and will teach everything, mm. all <laughs> all of that in between. So yeah, come along. I'll plug and, my workshops. We'd love to see you. And absolutely. And the to, f- oh, sorry. Meet. Oh, and the screenings. Of course, you yes. have to come and see Tracy's <laughs> film on the big screen. Yeah. And all we have in my screening from SF3, I have, um, I think it's eleven other um, Melbourne filmmakers screening as well. And Max has lots of films and then we've chosen from all the years of sf3 and mina we've also chosen some of our favorite films um amazing. from all those years as well to screen oh, so they'll be everything from like i think my one of the fil- films is shot on like a samsung 4 or something you know that's oh, a, great. <laughs> a great great grandfather i remember that ones. one <laughs> i know but it's a great story yeah. you know as we were saying so it doesn't matter i don't care about yeah. what it looks like it's the, the heart of it you what's
0: know? some where can we get tickets for that
1: yeah, so it's uh now on my website, sf3.com.au. There's a link to all the Melbourne screenings. Fantastic. It is on Eventbrite if you type in SF3 and Mina. And Tracy's film is playing at five p.m. on Saturday, the twentieth. 9- Saturday the 20th and <laughs> no, November. 19th. So 19th. 19th. the first time. Oh, <laughs> it's the 19th. So this Saturday night yeah. is, um Tracy's film is playing three at uh, 5 p.m. at mm. Acme yeah. in the um studio the uh Swinburne Studio, and we'll be Playing and then we'll we'll be having really great networking drinks. You know, for there's this amazing smartphone filmmaking community and sorry, my two year old will only sit <laughs> in my lap right now. Um, but um, please come along and yes. be a part of. You know, not just the screening, but a part of the community. And it's really inspiring. And Mm. yeah,
2: absolutely. It's it's sort of the democratization of of filmmaking, the smartphone. It's a great way. Completely. It's it's just, you know, have a crack. Yes. You know, just just play around with with whatever you've got and whack it into your Mm -hmm. iMovie and (laughs) play around. That's what I did. (laughs) Um, Tracy and
0: Angela, it has been such a pleasure chatting with you. And best of luck with the festival and the screening on Saturday. Um, Thank you, Flick. Oh, my pleasure. I hope, all the, I hope listeners are inspired to come along Thank to the workshops and the festival. Itself. Thanks, Flick.
1: We'll have to give you a ticket too, Flick.
0: <laughs> I'll be I'll there for an, sure. Yeah, I'll send
1: you an email for a ticket, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And listeners, get on there and buy a ticket. We'd love yes. to see you. You're listening
0: to Primal Screen on Triple R with Flick Ford. Earlier tonight, I had the pleasure of speaking with the festival founder of the smartphone Flick Fest, Angela Blake, and, and one of the filmmakers who's being featured as part of that festival trip. Tracy Hutchinson and her film Healing Country will be playing this Saturday night at ACME. So make sure you check that out. Um, There's also a whole heap of workshops, like I said before. Um, And you may have heard that we're doing um, sort of the spotlight on some of the screenings that are happening around Melbourne. And before we... Chat to my next guest. Um, I just want to let Triple R subscribers know that we're having a special subscriber screening of Bones and All on Tuesday, November twenty second at seven p.m. Cinema Nova. We do have two double passes for subscribers, so just head to rrr.org.au. This is a film that is getting a lot of buzz. It's starring Timothy Chalamet and Taylor Russell. It's a story of first love with a dark twist as a young woman and a disenfranchised disenfranchised drifter embark on an odyssey through the back roads of America. Despite their best efforts, all roads lead back to their terrifying past and to a final stand that will determine whether their love can survive their otherness. So if you would like to come along to that subscriber screening, um, head to rrr.org.au and I'll see some of you on Wednesday for our subscriber screening of She Said, which I'm very excited to see Uh, so my next guest is Chris Lushky Um, Chris you've been on the show before I have (laughs) people (laughs) listeners will know you as um, one of the one of the founders of Unknown Pleasures um, which is a, a sort of a screening program that runs through Thornby Picture House at the moment you have a very exciting spotlight coming up tomorrow night and also next Tuesday. Um, tell us about it.
3: Yeah, so uh, we're, me and my um, colleague, uh, Bill Mazoulis, who's currently in Adelaide but will be flying up next week, Is uh, we're incredibly uh, excited to uh, be presenting the work of the Filipino-Australian feature filmmaker, Matthew Victor Pastor, who's... Only thirty three and has made fourteen feature films. Oh
0: my god! Um, <laughs> what am I doing with my it's life? The, the most
3: <laughs> prolific, um, and in some ways one of the most exciting Australian filmmakers currently yeah. working. So, Matt's been a really terrific friend, and um, we've been talking about doing something together for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, Matt's work has really sort of constellated around this this a really rich. Um, Dynamic investigation of contemporary um, Asian-Australian race politics, in particular, right. um, migration, trauma, family trauma, family dynamics. Um, his work sort of spans this really inc- extraordinary intersection of um, genres and forms. So he's worked in kind of like the grindhouse style. He's worked in melodrama. He's worked in slow cinema. He's worked in comedy. Um, his work sort of and oftentimes his work will straddle the boundaries between all these different genres in one mm. in single works. Um, I wanted to read a little something that Bill wrote in, in 2018, which was yeah. right at the cusp of, of uh, Matthew's work um, as it had started to really get going. Um, yeah. For me, the discovery Matthew Victor Pastor and his work in the last few months is like a miracle. Pastor is the most dynamic young filmmaker I've come across in 35 years of indie film watching in Australia because it's not about promise. At the age of 28, he's already delivered five features, including three that are released simultaneously this year. He's flying, and it's so high that it's disturbingly above any radar that Australian film culture has in operation at the moment. If the Melbourne International Film Festival would not play one of his new features this year, it would be a crime beyond belief. (laughs) Probably the Asian themes and actors will limit his impact in Australia. He will probably leave these shores and go work in the Philippines permanently and become world-renowned. And yet, he's the voice of the new Australia, Asian, LGBT, dexterous, vibrant. But Australia is always backward, conservative and defaults Mm. back to white Australia mode regularly especially cinematically past cinema is a cinema of movement and colour it's the most dazzling Australian cinema I've seen in a while only Sidon Salkich and Kim Miles come close to this kind of surreality and intensity in recent years you need to go back to the 80s to find anything with the same kind of life
0: that is amazing and thank you to Bill for providing that. Because, I just I had
3: to read it. Yes. Oh,
0: it's poetic and I think it really captures something about – and, you know, we are talking earlier about the smartphone flick fest and, yeah, that's right. and the way in which it opens up this kind of access that is previously denied and what stories get told. Mm. Um, it is remarkable that he is that prolific and also what he's contributing to – Australian cinema, but also like the global stage. Um, how did you first come across his work?
3: So Bill discovered him in around 2018, uh, actually, and I met him uh, with Bill at a birthday party for Ivan Gol and uh, Nigel Buse. They had a birthday actually here in Brunswick a few years ago. And um, it was really through that that I got a chance to meet Matt and I, and I realised just, you know, Bill and I both realised around the same time what, what a, a kind of... Um, Absolutely kind of fresh and explosive personality he has. Mm. And he seems to just have... Story after story after story after story after story to tell, and he gleans everything from the environment around him. he lives mm. in right in the heart of the inner city and and he writes from a starbucks cafe oh so he 'll often be working oh. on four or five feature scripts concurrently and he 'll be sitting there surrounded by the hubbub of city activity, witnessing all kinds of cultural collisions that happen yeah. in, in the inner city and just sit there and sort of be gleaning stories and be writing
0: that 's amazing um, i can 't help but feel like that would. Um, how that would inform what you do put on the page because, you know, so often – we are limited by our own experience So being in this kind of melting pot Of discussions and ways of talking That's right How that would, yeah, inform your writing style
3: Yeah, I mean, he's very dynamic And he doesn't create um, hard and fast categories to put things So that's mm. why there's this Sometimes a quite extraordinary genre slippage Within his work mm. But also, you know, he's he If if his work has like a central through line It's the fact It's this this, this fact of collision So he'll put characters at odds with one another culturally, um, racially and sometimes sexually in the same scenarios within a film and so he'll set... You know, if parents and children at odds. He'll set lovers at odds. He'll set various facets of um, contemporary Melbourne society at odds with one another in order to sort of excavate and explore the sort of underlying dynamics that come out come about through that. And, and in that respect, he's been compared by se- several people to people like uh, filmmakers like uh, Rainer Werner Fassbinder. Mm. Um, and in the Philippines, where he's sort of, he's, you know, his work has this very deeply culturally embedded. Um, you know he's he's akin to filmmakers like Lino Brocka or Mike De Leon, the great sort of Filipino filmmakers of the '70s. There is no contemporary equivalent for him in Australia at all, mm. both in terms of how prolific he is, and also in terms of the particular cultural makeup, even amongst Asian Australian voices. Um, he's the only one making feature films that consistently, yeah. and the, he's able to do it completely independently. Um, He makes films predominantly with sort of very, very cheap uh, DSLR technology. You mentioned smartphones before in the Smartphone Festival. Like the way in which the um, digital revolution has shifted low-budget independent filmmaking has been nowhere in Australia more decisive than in the work of of Matt um, Mm. because he's been able to sort of... Also, you know, he ha- he has a real sort of coterie of, of of very close supporters that he works with. Actors like Felino Delosso and Alfredo Nickdow, and he's worked with um, Charlotte Nickdow, for instance, as well, um, who's like quite a well-known um, Filipino Australian actress. And but he has a core crew of uh, a wider core crew of actors that he uses on on film after film after film. Mm-hmm. So he's really built a body of work, a very quite a large body of work with actors over five or six or sometimes seven, eight feature films.
0: And one of the great tasks you've got uh, as part of Unknown Pleasures mm. is curating this work and there are two screenings that are connected to this season. That's right. How did you possibly narrow it down to the two films you've selected oh. for out of, what, 14 uh, films? It was, look, it's hard <laughs> and,
3: and some, of them are, some of them are still in, in progress. Mm. I mean, the... Th- the, the The particular challenge we face as curators uh, with the work of someone like Matt is that um, the work is not uh, widely exposed within Australia. There Mm -hmm. are no sales agents and distributors attached at this stage. Mm -hmm. And so our work is really about how do we create a space where we can bring the right people in and we have a number of, of key important industry figures coming tomorrow. Um, to the, our first screening, which is Matt's film, In Heaven They Sing Karaoke, which is a work-in-progress work screening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we're doing that screening specifically to, to try and target industry, to bring people on board, to do it as a work-in-progress, with the vast majority of all the tickets being complimentary, um, out to industry so that we can prever- preserve the film's Australian premier status. Um, and we're doing that because we really we really think the film needs some kind of profile in order for it to sort of get get traction um mm. because it's a, it's a great film it's like a full-blooded migrant melodrama of a kind that's um i think eminently approachable for audiences i think it's matt's most accessible film it's also in some ways his most powerful um built around um, a desperate father and the, uh, everything this sort of filipino migrant father is trying to do to better his family um very 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 classic story and and but you know, conveyed and and pulled off with extraordinary sort of vibrancy and, and freshness on screen with a really um, very uh, ferocious um, lead performance by Felino De Delosso, which is probably, his, I would say, is probably his best performance. Um, you know, so what, what we're trying to do is really drive attention to the films in order to stimulate a kind of a wider communal interest mm. because, um, you know, the films are at a point where they're, they're, I mean, they're extraordinary films, but I think with the right kind of support, some finishing money, and the support of a distributor, they could really go quite far. Mm. And and I think that there's independent filmmaking in Australia has hit a bit of a silo, where um, because of the ways in which the streaming landscape is, the, the, the streaming services have changed the Australian film landscape. Um, it's harder for distributors to look at low-budget independent work and find uh, particular mechanisms that they can unlock in, in order to sort of push that work. And with Matt's work, the hope is that a distributor will come aboard and buy the whole package and just go, yeah. we're going to shift all these films onto – maybe we'll do some screenings, but we'll shift them all onto a, a streaming service. Um, so that's that's the hope. We mm. really, really want to want to drive attention to that.
0: And can you tell us a bit about the second screening you've got, which is uh, next Tuesday? Mm. Um, what, what film have you selected for that one? So
3: that's a film called A Pencil to the mm. Jugular. And it's, it's Great name. Yeah, it's a great – Matt is the – I don't know how he manages <laughs> to come up with titles, but each title seems to just stick. Um, mm. So I'm always coming to him whenever I'm making something I don't know what to call it. I'm just what do you think? <laughs> uh, but A Pencil to the Jugular is – it's a triptych film. It's a triptych ensemble film with uh, interlinked narratives, the so-called network narrative kind of model, uh, and it follows a series of characters in, in the city of Melbourne as they're traversing – um various trials and tribulations within the community um and it sort of slips genre from being sort of art drama to something more sort of genre focused it's got Mm -hmm. sort of thriller elements it's got sort of some form of kind of psychological yes some kind it's like a psychological thriller migrant drama um but it, it also has some pretty wild far out stuff yeah. Um, which is really cool.
0: That sounds um, tremendous. And I think it's so exciting that you've got a space like Thornberry Picture House to show these stories, but also the conversations and what yeah, that sparks yeah. because you're right. We, and I think Bill's comment before that you read out about the fact of what uh, the Australian cinema landscape sometimes looks like is, is very, because of funding issues, because of all these other you know compounding issues of, you know, what thinking, what an audience will want to see. Often we actually do want to be challenged in this way and see something completely different. It's and, true. I, and, you know, that is, I suppose, what's at the heart of Unknown Pleasures as a screening program to uncover this and give a voice to it and a space for it.
3: That's right. And it's, and it's as much also about, the, you know, the the kind of landscape too that, that, you know, our filmmakers bring with them. So, mm. so, you know, obviously Matt has a pretty extraordinary existing filmography and will continue to go on and make feature films. It's just shot, shot kind of a black and white Filipino Woody Allen-esque comedy um, <laughs> What's that's, that all, called? that's all about filmmakers and filmmaking called uh I think it's called Four Days Sober Great. um so he's working on that at the moment he's also working on a, a documentary that he shot during COVID about dreams and um yeah, dreams and and uh involuntary kind of dream logic um between that he shot a very intimate film he shot with his partner and um you know, but what's really interesting is Matt's also at the really at the at the spearhead of a kind of a new wave in Asian Australian filmmaking at the mm-hmm. moment, specifically within Filipino Australian filmmakers. There's two others. There's a um obviously Vonnie Patiag, who lots of people know, who's works predominantly or has worked predominantly in, in television and in short form. And there's also um a young filmmaker that Matt's been uh, mentoring called Caleb Rybates, who made a, a really sort of um beautiful um, sort of a black and white drama uh, in the style of Love Diaz that was at MIF this year that sold out all three screenings. That mm-hmm. again was made totally independently. Yeah. Twenty one years old this guy is, and so and you know Matt's been working closely w- with him. So it's like you know there there are a series of, of of factors that sort of come into play as you mentioned, with access to t- technology that lets allows for new new and perhaps um, marginalized or undiscovered voices to start practicing yeah. um, and with, with figures like Matt in the mix, it's incredibly emboldening to the younger generation and filmmakers. So that's re- why it's really wonderful to see not only is Matt making films but he's now mentoring other other feature filmmakers who are coming up and making films themselves, which is how, you know, the Australian um, independent film landscape should work and has yeah. kind of always worked like that. Oh, it's I- now it's our job to kind of try and drive <laughs> attention to that and, and so that history gets gets – Spoken about and, oh, and people pay ab- attention to it.
0: Absolutely, and for for listeners who are wanting to come along to these fantastic, there's two screenings um, of Mac- Matthew Victor Pastor's work. Um, best to head to is it Thornbury Picture House or you've also got the Unknown Pleasures website as well. Yeah, that's so, right, that's yeah. right.
3: Um, and and people can also email me if they want a ticket. Yeah, uh, I, can, I can give them a comp, especially for, uh, for tomorrow. Oh. But the the screening on the twenty second, yeah, pencil to right. the jugular. Those <laughs> tickets are also uh, those tickets are on sale also by the Thornbury Pitch House website. Oh,
0: fantastic, Chris. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time.
3: No, it's an absolute pleasure, Flick. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast version and feel free to get in touch via the Primal Screen Facebook page or the R website.